back to the Pete Space. I'm Simone Howell, Head of Medical Affairs for Pallet Life Sciences, sponsor of this podcast. The content of this podcast is solely the opinion of the guest speaker. Part of Pallet Life Sciences' commitment to bring compelling issues around pediatric urology is shared in today's podcast by Dr. Chris Cooper, Vice Chair and Professor of Urology in University of Iowa, Carver College of Medicine. Over the last several decades, Dr. Cooper's research studies have concentrated on the treatment decision process in children with VUR. He is actively investigating factors which may determine spontaneous resolution, breakthrough UTIs, and when and if intervention is warranted. In this episode, Dr. Cooper explores the reflux grading system and proposes an alternative method to this standard. And now, it is my honor to introduce someone who I've known and admired for over 20 years, Dr. Christopher Cooper. Reflux has been an interest of mine for over two decades now, and I want to talk a little bit about grading the current vesicoureteral reflux grading system. Before we get into that, I thought it'd be important to back up and ask, first of all, why do we care about reflux? And again, I think most of us know this. We worry about reflux because we recognize it is a risk for recurrent UTIs. It's a risk for febrile UTIs and pyelonephritis that can ultimately injure the kidneys, and we're aware that that can lead to a potential long-term sequela. So then the question I think becomes, well, why do we grade reflux? And I think that goes back to early on after sort of the discovery of reflux, if you will, we recognize that pretty quickly, not all reflux is created equal. Some reflux obviously has higher risk than others. Ultimately, we came up with the international reflux classification for the currently used grading system. Well, it was published back in 1985. And from that, we learned certain things along the way. We obviously recognize that there are more risk factors than just grade for developing infections or kidney problems. If you actually look back at the original classification, it was more complex than just the five grades that we currently use. Uh, we currently use grade one, two, three, four, five. But if you look back when they first put it out, each one of those had three subgrades. And if you take a look at at the picture of basically those 15 different grades, you see what we're really doing there is trying to draw a line basically in, in shades of gray. And the problem with that is it's inherently subjective. Yet whenever we put a number on something, grade two, grade four, our mind I think does a little bit of a trick and we start thinking this is really very objective. We know what each other's talking about. And don't get me wrong, we needed a grading system. The grading system I think did a really good job in helping us better understand reflux. There are huge studies that came out using the grading system, the International Reflux Study, the AUA meta-analysis that was done about 25 years ago. And we learned certain things. We learned that lower amounts of reflux were more likely to resolve. We learned that lower amounts of reflux were less associated with renal dysplasia or scars. We also learned that if you were younger, you were more likely to resolve your reflux for any given grade than if you were older. So ultimately, what we thought we knew is that grades one and two were pretty low risk, but high resolution. On the other hand, grades four and five, I think, were higher risk, but lower resolution. And then grade three was right in the middle there, and it had sort of intermediate risk and variable resolution rates. And I think most people are still pretty much on board with that. Certainly uh, the majority is, but I'm not. And again, don't get me wrong. I believe that 
the lower amounts and degrees of reflux in general have lower risks than higher degrees of reflux. But what's become clear is that we don't actually agree with each other on what each grade is. In fact, we often don't even agree with ourselves from one day to the next. And there have been multiple studies now that demonstrate our sort of inability to objectively grade reflux and reproduce some grade reflux. One of those studies was kind of neat. It came out from Metcalf and McNeely and Afshar in Canada about eight years ago. And they did a neat study where they took a series of VCUGs and they passed them out to pediatric urologists. They passed them out, as I recall, to residents and uh, radiologists, and they had them grade them. And then I think it was about a month later, they uh, took the same x-rays, handed them out again, had them grade them again. And what they found at the time seemed pretty shocking. And, and that was, there was a huge difference in how people graded. And also there's a difference in how people would grade from, again, one day to the next or one month to the next. And what was worse was that critical grade, grade three, where things can go one way or the other, that's where there was the most disagreement. And it was pretty much a, a coin toss as far as the reliability or inter-observer reliability. Even big studies like the River study that came out, they found the same thing. And these were obviously well-done studies. In that study, they had three radiologists reviewing all the VCUGs from the River study. And they pretty much came out and found similar results to that previous study. I think in the River study, all three radiologists agreed on what the grade was in a given patient only 59% of the time. So again, it just demonstrates the sort of subjectivity of the current grading system. Ultimately, if you know the goal of the grading system is to find something reproducible that we can communicate with each other, if I was going to grade our grading system, based on that, I'm thinking it would get maybe a C minus or a D plus. Now, I suspect despite those studies that I just mentioned, listeners are going to say that's overly harsh and you're a tough grader. And I suspect many listeners are going to believe that they're better graders than this. There are a couple of things I'd say in response to that and a couple of things to keep in mind. First, there's the, some great studies in the psychology literature now. These are really, really kind of interesting studies. Some of you are probably aware of it. Others may not. But one of these studies, uh, actually more than one of these studies, looks at how people rate themselves on various things. And one of the things they asked them to rate themselves on was their driving ability. And again, this has been reproduced in multiple studies. In general, if you ask uh, people to rate themselves, about 75% of people rate their driving ability as above average. Obviously, that can't be. Half the people should be less than an average. But time and again, they rate themselves not only above average, but they most often give themselves a 7 out of 10. So they're well above average. I tried to reproduce this just in a generic form uh, about six months ago in front of a large sort of international audience I was giving a lecture at. And I asked them to close their eyes and uh, raise their hand and rate their driving ability and counted back from 10 down to about four, when, at which point nobody was raising their hand anymore. And again, just taking a look at the audience, it bore it out as well. We tend to overestimate our driving ability. And I think we overestimate our ability to grade 
reflux, despite given the previous data. And it's interesting in those psychology studies, when you look at the people who are asked to rate themselves, if you tell them, look, this is the scale that experts use to rate you on driving ability, people will nod and they'll say, yeah, that's a good scale. But ultimately, what they end up doing is believing that the scale of they've developed in their own minds is still valid and they still do that. So I know when I tell you that our grading scale is not good and almost 50% of the time we don't agree with grade three reflux based on these studies, I know a lot of the listeners are going to say, well, yeah, but that's not me. I'm good at grading reflux. To that, I'd uh, add in just a couple other points. One, remember the VCUG study itself often differs in how it's done between institutions. And this is a problem. Dominique Frimberger worked with the section of urology and the AAP and the section of urology and radiology and came up with a consensus guidelines type statement several years ago that was published in the journal Pediatric Urology, I think back in 2016. And it basically was a call for both a standardized way of doing a VCUG and a standardized way of reporting a VCUG. Despite that, there's still tremendous variability from one institution to another. And the final thing I have you keep in mind when you're thinking about how objective or subjective grading is on a VCUG is that the results, even if the study is performed the same, the results in a given individual will probably differ from day to day. So keep in mind, it's variable. It is somewhat subjective. I want to switch gears a little bit because I've sort of come down harshly on sort of grading our grading system and gave it a C minus or a D plus. And when I think about truly the goal of grading and it, the ability to objectively stratify patients and the ability to communicate in a similar fashion with our colleagues to do other studies so that we can compare apples to apples, I really think that we need improvements in the grading system and we shouldn't fool ourselves. Truly, if I was going to grade it, I'd probably give it a D, a solid D. And I just want you to keep in mind those things from now on when you're reading a VCUG is that the data we built, all of our sort of paradigm for managing patients on is relatively flawed. The other thing to keep in mind, if you're talking to someone and they mention, well, this is how I treat grade two reflux, grade four reflux, whatever grade of reflux. I think you should be thinking, we don't even really know what grade that is. And there's a good chance that if you looked at that VCUG, you might not agree with the initial premise of what that person is calling as grade X. So all that's the bad news. Let me switch gears. The good news is I think we can do better. I think we can actually do much better with information that's right there on the VCUG readily available. And I think there's a couple of more objective factors that we could use to categorize VCUG or grade VCUG, if you will. And one of those factors is the volume in the bladder when reflux first occurs. And I published some studies on this probably 15 to 20 years ago and have continued to publish some studies on the importance of the bladder volume at the onset of reflux. We've shown that this is an independent predictive factor of resolution and it's a significant factor. In fact, it's more predictive of resolution and other adverse outcomes such as urinary tract infections than age or how you might present. And it's independent of of the greater reflux. In fact, when you combine those two things, you can really start to categorize a patient's risk much better than you could if you used grade alone. So for example, if you had a child that was 18, 20 months, less than two years of age, and they had 
what we would consider grade three reflux. Now, again, what is grade three reflux? We might disagree. But for the sake of argument, let's say this less than two-year-old's got grade three reflux. If you know that that child started refluxing when their bladder capacity was less than half of the predicted bladder capacity, their chance of resolving that reflux in a couple years is only about 14%. Now, if that same child starts refluxing at over half of their bladder capacity, same grade, grade three, their chance of resolving reflux is 80%. So just by adding in and combining the volume at the onset of reflux with grade, you can see tremendous differences. And that's the type of information that you need. It's the type of information the parents need to help decide what would be the best treatment options. By the way, part of that statement that the AAP came out with as far as standardizing VCUGs actually mentions that the radiologist really should start to put in their reports the volume that they've instilled in the bladder when they first see reflux. And if they do that, then I think that can help you tremendously. The other reason they should do that is a a nice study came out of Atlanta uh, by Mike Garcia uh, just a year or two ago where, and I worked with him on this, we sent VCUG pictures to both uh, radiologists and urologists. We knew the volume that the reflux occurred and we had them tell us, did reflux start occurring early or late on this child? And bottom line is they were not good at guessing when it occurred. So really, I would push strongly to have your radiology techs or your radiologist just start routinely noting when does reflux occur? At what bladder volume did reflux occur? The other reason that's important is not only predicting resolution. I published a study a little while back that showed that it's an independent predictor of breakthrough urinary tract infections. So if you're refluxing pretty early during bladder filling, your chance of having a breakthrough infection is about 1.6 times than if it starts occurring later. And so, again, big push for starting to pay attention to bladder volume. The other factor that's readily available on a VCUG is the distal ureteral diameter. And I've been sort of pushing on this concept now for about 15 years, and it's starting to get some traction, not only here in the United States, but also internationally. More recently, there's been some good work, I think, coming out of places like Turkey and China that have been using the distal ureteral diameter to help predict outcome. And so my original idea with this was that since reflux resolution really happens down at the bladder level where the ureter plugs in, maybe we should be paying more attention to the distal ureter than paying so much attention to what the upper tracts and calyces look like as far as resolution. Well, along the way, as we started to realize that grading is limited by subjectivity that we already talked about, uh, I started thinking, you know, I suspect measuring the distal ureteral diameter on the VCUG is going to be a lot more reliable and objective than the grading system. And so we published a study showing that to be true just a couple years ago in 2017. And it makes sense. Obviously, if you're you're truly measuring something, it's going to be more objective than if you're just taking a look at something and trying to figure out which line and the shade of gray do you categorize the reflux as. I do want to point out that we normalize that distal ureteral diameter by dividing it by the distance between the L1 and L3 vertebral body. And so it's actually a distal ureteral diameter 
kilometer ratio that we're looking at. And the reason I did that, uh, again, early on when I was thinking about this concept, I wanted to control for a couple of things. I wanted to control for the size of the uh, patient. And the orthopedic literature pointed out that vertebral body growth was pretty standard based on size in, in children. And the other reason was to control for magnification of the images themselves. And we did a study along with Dr. Arlen. Could we get by with just measuring the distal ureteral diameter? Or did we really need to do this extra step of having the ureteral diameter ratio? And what we showed in that study was that the ureteral diameter ratio was better and more predictive than the ureteral diameter alone. You know, you could ask, what have you found? What what does the ureteral diameter ratio actually show you that grade doesn't? First of all, there's a strong association between grade and ureteral diameter ratio, and you would expect that because the bigger the ureter, the more likely that it's going to have a higher grade. And so we found that. But we did find that it was an independent predictive factor, independent of grade, for predicting spontaneous resolution, for predicting breakthrough UTIs, for predicting patients that would go on and need operative intervention. So we've developed a series of models, actually, where we incorporated ureteral diameter ratio with or without grade in trying to predict outcomes. And oftentimes, when we added grade into the models, the predictive ability got worse. And again, I think that's probably because grade was so subjective that when you start to put it in, sometimes it actually decreases your ability to predict things like resolution or breakthrough UTIs. And again, I'm excited to see that these findings are being reproduced not only here within the United States, but in other countries. In fact, the study that was published coming out of Turkey showed that UDR had a strong correlation with renal scarring as well. Similar to grade, we know higher grades of reflux have an association with scars and again, higher, bigger ureteral diameters do as well. That study out of Turkey was also interesting because it was predictive of endoscopic correction and it was actually more predictive of success with endoscopic correction than grade was. So those are my, my thoughts on sort of the grading system, some of the limitations and some proposals for things we could do to maybe make things better. Clearly, I think a grading system is needed. And again, not all reflux is equal. We know this. And certainly lower amounts of reflux and late onset of reflux during bladder filling, those children do better than if you've got high volumes of reflux or early onset of reflux. This this is clear, I think. I think, you know, we should all be doing VCUGs in a standard fashion. And at the very least, uh, again, having our radiologist note the volume at the onset of reflux. And I really strongly encourage you to start paying attention to the distal ureteral diameter ratio. And I'd say stay tuned. Ultimately, I think we may be better off going to a grading system using objective and reliable measurements such as volume and ureteral diameter rather than sort of the subjective grade. To confirm this and really to go to the next step, what we're going to need is a larger multi-institutional and international studies. And actually prior to COVID, I was planning on convening a new international reflux group to start working on this. That's sort of on hold now, although with the uh, advent of Zoom meetings, I'm now starting to think it may be easier to do this now in a virtual fashion than what I was planning pre-COVID. So thanks for listening. Those are my thoughts uh, on grading the reflux grading system, where we are, where we've been, and where, where I think we could go. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pete Space. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Cooper's insight. Feel free 
free to share this with your colleagues while we deliver more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming weeks. There are some great resources for you and your patients regarding Deflux on www.deflux.com. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products on www.palletlifesciences.com.